Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I of course cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. We're back. This is 95.9 FM WATD in Marshfield, Massachusetts. My name's Mike McNamara. This is McNamara on Money. My co-host, sidekick, son and business partner, executive vice president of global investments and alternatives at McNamara Financial <laughs> Services. How's that sound, Josh? Pretty good, huh? You're going to add a new word every time you introduce me? That would have to be a, a, a big business card. Oh, that's why right. You don't do business cards anymore. <laughs> I was just thinking that. How big is the business card? Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> like a page. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta, you gotta, imp- you gotta look impressive on that's paper right. or something yeah. like that. Anyway, uh, folks, aware, we're talking about, I, I guess, an investing chronology. That might be the best way to describe the topic at hand. Uh, and the idea is that when you, as you go through life, when you put money to work, there ought to be like a certain batting order that you do that with. Okay, and we're going to kind of run through the that batting order here for the rest of this show. Uh, you know, step number one is to make sure that you have some emergency reserves, primarily so to protect yourself, but secondarily so that you don't have to use your investments for emergencies because that is almost always a bad thing to happen. And then number two, and I thought about this during the show, everybody out there should have a home equity line of credit. Uh, as a backup to your emergency reserves. Prefer- if you have a home if you and have equity. Home. Yeah, if you have a home and if you have equity. Yep. Uh, and preferably that line of credit, we're suggesting that you get one and use it as an insurance policy against disasters in life. We didn't say use it unless you had to, but that's a whole other story. Okay, and so the, the first investment step 
is usually some kind of a retirement plan, usually at work, and that's where we are. Uh, folks, this is a call-in talk radio show. We're about to bat around 401ks and everything that you need to know. And again, if you've listened to the show before, we'll give you the basics. We'll make sure that you understand the big picture, and then you can get into the details uh, on your own or hopefully with uh, an advisor connected to the plan at work sort of a thing. So we're going to kind of run down the big picture stuff you need to worry about uh, with regard to a 401k. And and, and I guess the, the first point is, from my point of view, you get to invest a hundred cent dollar, you haven't paid taxes on it, and so you're starting ahead of the game in terms of the size of being able to do that. Um, you know, the, the, the question we get, well, how much do I put in? Well, uh, we're going to do this generically for folks we don't know for the listening audience, and we'll do some qualifications as we go along. But the bottom line is you should put in as much as you can. Uh, as a guideline, uh, I would suggest if you don't have a comprehensive written financial plan in place and know how much you have to put in, I would suggest you start at at least 10% of your gross income for each spouse. And over the course of time, work your contributions up to 15% if you can, okay, and or the max if you can. Uh, That's a tall order, but that would be our starting recommendation. Uh, And I guess the other thing, and uh, I'll let Justin throw his two cents worth in here a sec, but uh, hopefully a lot of retirement plans have matching dollars where they say, if you put in some money, we'll put in some money up to a certain point. And that match might be 4 5 or 6%. I think a very common one is 6%, but whatever. Uh, a, a match is basically free money, okay? Uh, and so you would be out of your mind, you can quote me on that, folks, to not put in at least as much money as can qualify for all of the match that your company might be offering. And a lot of people stop there, but that may not be enough. So to take into consideration the the match. Justin, I'll take a breath. Go for it here. Yeah, and I think anytime there's a match, uh, I I can't remember ever recommending a client not take the match inside of an employer-sponsored retirement plan. Yep. You know, the harder the harder uh, decision is when you work for a company that does offer a 401k or another retirement plan, but there is no match associated with it. Uh, at those you know, at those times, you may have a discussion about what the best vehicle is. Um, in theory, it might be an IRA on your own as opposed to the employer-sponsored retirement plan. Uh, but that's it's a it's a complicated. Uh, it's complicated to figure out sort of what where you're where you're better off. A, you have to go and dig deep into the expenses of your of your 401k and retirement plan, and then you have to go and figure out you know contribution limits. So in rare cases, we may say, all right, you you have a 401k. It's kind of a lousy 401k. It may be on the expensive side, and maybe the investments aren't all that great, and there's no match, and because you're um, you know, because you're putting in five thousand. Yeah, and you can't year. put in more than the IRA amount, basically. That's right. Yeah, that's okay. right. I mean, if if you're putting, you know, if you're if you're sort of just starting out in your career and you're making thirty five thousand dollars, you know, you may only be putting in five thousand anyway, and you know, you can certainly get that into an IRA account or a Roth IRA, and maybe doing it on your own in that case is preferable. Yeah, and um, fr- and from a financial advisor point of view, folks, that's a very rare occurrence in our lives and should be in the realm of everybody else's as far as we're concerned. Right. Most f- retirement plans aren't uh, aren't lousy enough to sort of offset. <laughs> um, I like it. Yeah. I mean, if, yeah. They co- if they come with a match, there's no 
there's no contest, folks. Right. That's number one. At least one. up to the match. You yeah. Know, some, at, at least up to the match. Yep. Right. Some people may have a match that, that ends at five, you know, a fairly common match ends at 5% of your salary. It's called a safe harbor match where you put in five and then you get four as the match. You, in theory, you could say, I'll take all the free money here and then maybe I'll do a Roth IRA on the side because I want some, you know, some Roth money and some potential liquidity. That's a discussion that we have a fair amount as well. Uh, but certainly take all the free money that you can. Yep, that's for sure. Folks, this is a call-in talk radio show. We're having a generic discussion about the first investment that most folks do, and that should be some sort of a retirement plan. And thankfully, it, we have multiple choices in this country here. Our telephone number is 781-837-4900. If you have a question on your 401k, we can probably answer it. Once again, 781-837-4900. So, so you know, how much to put in? in the absence of uh, a financial plan, and we'll get to that towards the very end here, you know, it, it, as much as you can, folks, uh, and if you want to live happily ever after, on average, you better start with at least 10% when you're 21 or 22 and make it bigger over time. Um, one of the things uh, we, we do when we craft uh, financial plans for folks, and one of the things that we know uh, is it's much better uh, how much people put into their retirement plans or their investments and for how long is more important than what you can actually earn in there, okay? If you have the best retirement plan option in the world and you put a dollar a week in there, you're probably going to not make it, folks. And if you have a pretty mediocre 401k at work, but you put in five or six or 10 or $15,000 a year, you're probably going to be okay. So the the vehicle is hard to beat as the number one option for most folks. Um, all right, Joss, how about we start talking about investment choices? Inside of the 401k? Yeah. Or, or, or other retirement plans? Well, you, you, you go where you want. Sure. Um, so... The different types of retirement plans are going to give you different menus of options, right? We'll start with the most common, uh, which is the 401k. Most 401ks, at least the ones that we see these days, have a menu of um, somewhere between 10 and 15 sort of standalone investments. You know, your large, you know, your large cap stock fund, your small cap stock fund, your bond fund, your international fund. Uh, and so you have a menu of choices where you can sort of build your own portfolio, okay? And then now most 401ks will, al will also have um, a menu of uh, sort of target date retirement ready portfolios, the same the ones that we discussed with Tom, where you pick your retirement date or find a fund that has a, um, that has a date close to your retirement date and you just put all your money in there and it takes care of the diversification piece of it for you. Right, so you don't have to worry about you know how aggressive or conservative should I be, you know how you know what how much money should I have in the U.S. versus overseas versus in bonds. That's all sort of taken care of you, and they average the world and say, all right, someone who's retiring in 2060 should be invested like this, and it's simple, set it and forget it. Uh, and so you get to choose how you want to proceed there. You know, we I think I find us you know, fairly regularly recommending target date funds, especially with clients that we don't work with. Yeah, if folks, if you don't have a financial advisor, and pardon us for sounding self-serving, uh, self you know, asset allocation funds and or target date funds are terrific options for almost everybody in that category. 
Yeah. I just had and, to get that off my chest. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, when you get into other types of retirement plans, it, you know, it gets more complex, although for the most part, you're always going to be able to, to access now a retirement-ready portfolio, right? So when you, when you get into the, you know, out of the 401k world where you have your, your fixed menu, you know, you also have the 403b world, which, you know, a lot of teachers uh, have access to a bunch of different companies that will offer them 403b plans. You'll have similar options there, but you'll more, uh, more often than not just limited to one specific uh, investment provider like a Fidelity or an American Funds or an Oppenheimer. Less then, competition going on in that world, right? Yeah. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And so, but you, you have, it's a similar decision process, but you probably have more investment options because the providers who are in those spaces tend to run full suites of investments as opposed to just kind of the, the 15 or the 10 or 15 that you'll see in a 401k right so if you were had a, 40, a 403b with say Oppenheimer you could invest in any Oppenheimer fund and they they more than I know I'm, I'm, you have to pardon me I don't I, I'm not positive that Oppenheimer runs a, uh, a set of retirement portfolios but I would guess that they do uh, and they also have a full suite of investments in U.S. stocks, international stocks, and bonds, and all kinds of stuff. So it gets a little bit more complex when you get out there. And again, if you're not working with an advisor, probably even a better idea to use one of the retirement portfolios, just because you're you're increasing the complexity in your in your level of choice. Yeah, just b- back up for a moment, would you? And uh, how about explain or define the target date funds and the asset allocation fund choice? Let, let's spend a little bit more time on that because that's what the bulk of the folks listening to should be investing in right yeah. now. So take some time, would you? Okay, so a, a, we'll say an asset allocation fund is kind of a more generic term. So an asset allocation fund is one investment that has multiple investments and asset classes in it, right? So it's meant to be a portfolio where that's all you own. It's meant to be a fully diversified strategy. So you don't need to go and put a bunch of building blocks together on your own. The provider, who whether it's Fidelity, Vanguard, T. Rowe Price, you name it, they'll take care of all that for you. So inside of an asset allocation fund, you have your different assets, right? You have your probably some kind of an S&P 500 type of investment, your large company U.S. stocks. You'll have some small U.S. companies in there as well. You'll have international, probably emerging markets. Uh, You'll have high quality bonds. You may have some high yield bonds and the provider will build that pie based on a specific investment goal. Okay, so that's just what an asset allocation fund is. And they have static asset allocation funds where they build it, they build the fund and they say, this is an aggressive fund, right? In general, you don't have any bonds in those those types. And so you're just getting your, you know, whatever their breakdown of specific stocks that they uh, have put in their fund are, your large cap, small cap, international emerging markets. Right, and that fund will always be diversified, and it will always be aggressive. Okay, um, and they do that across the risk risk spectrum. Right, they'll have moderate, where it's a mixture of different types of stocks and different types of bonds. And they vary the percentages, basically, though. Different percentages. Yeah. 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 Okay. And then they'll have them, you know, conservative as well. You know, they, I'm, I'm sure they have all bond asset allocation funds, which are a mixture of different types of bonds, right? Your short term, your intermediate term, your long term, your high yield, your international, uh, T 
tips, you know, you name it. Right, so an asset allocation fund is just a, everyone's probably seen those pies that we always show clients in our industry. It's just a, it's a fund with a pie inside it and you don't need to worry about building your own pie. Yeah, and most, most 401k plans will have a little questionnaire that people would walk through to try to figure out what's the most appropriate pie for you sort of a thing. It's at least an attempt to kind of match that. Uh, Before you go on, folks, uh, if you have a retirement plan at work, there's a pretty good chance that there's a a financial advisor that's connected to it in some way, shape, or form. And so if you don't already have your own financial advisor, who is I wouldn't say pretty good. Maybe decent. Okay. Uh, (laughs) All right. (laughs) Any way you like. But, But the point is, if there is a financial advisor that shows up from time to time in, in the office or the factory or wherever you work uh, and, and is available for consulting, uh, you, you should take advantage of that for some help. You know, if you have a, your own financial advisor, they're probably helping you with that uh, on their own. But if you don't have a financial advisor, please take advantage of the, the expertise of the one that's connected to the plan. Now, the, the good news is hopefully there there is one. The bad news is they don't have time to spend a lot of time because it's a it's a multi-client business. But if it's, if you're on your own, make a point to see one of those folks. Okay. All right, Josh. Sorry about that. So, so the asset allocation funds, they basically come in different different mixtures of stocks and bonds, and that's often related to, to age or time and circumstances. And the the beauty is more and more plans are having these, and they're kind of make a lot of sense for most folks. Right. Okay. And then the, you know, the age based sort of the target retirement version of the asset allocation fund is just one that is not static. It's, you know, it. it adjusts the risk return profile of the underlying investments based on the time frame until retirement, right? So uh, Tom's granddaughter, if he puts uh, or if she chooses one of those investments, uh, it'll be more than likely, a, you know, the retirement 2060 or the 2065 fund, and it will be aggressive and it'll start off mostly uh, or maybe exclusively in the stock market. And by the time it is 2045, it will have transitioned into a, you know, sort of a more moderate portfolio and have a little bit, you know, more bond exposure and some more conservative investments just because at that point she'll be in a, you know, in the time of her life when that makes sort of more sense for her as an investor. Yeah. And that's, um, so in, in the, in the age based or target date, they adjust the risk as, as opposed to you having to change into a lower risk asset allocation fund over time as you get close to retirement. They do all that work for you pretty much in an age-based fund. Right. You know, and again, for most folks listening to us who don't work with their own financial advisor, either the asset allocation funds that you review every once in a while because you might have to lower the risk as you get older or the target date funds, they're just like plan A as far as we're concerned, right? I mean, it, it's, uh, it's you know, they're, they're not perfect and they may not exactly line up with your life and circumstances and needs, but better than a stick in the eye in terms of what they have for choices you know, a long time ago sort of a thing. They're making some good strides with that stuff. I, yep. I think it's a great thing. Okay. All right, so... Um, where else do you want to go uh, on investment choices in the 401k or do we want to talk about some other parts of it? What's your pleasure here? Yeah, I think, you know, just to sort of finish off the options in the various types of plans, yeah. you know, once you get sort of out of the four, you know, you in 403b, which is sort of the most restrictive, then you go to sort of, I'm sorry, 401k is the most restrictive, then 403b, it's a little bit more uh, open architecture. And then once you get to the IRA world, 
then you're really, you know, it's you can do whatever you'd like because then at that point it's an individual account and you're opening it up wherever you would like to. And so that can be good and bad. Uh, if you if you know what you're doing and you have your own investment philosophy, that's terrific because you can go and implement it by going to you know a brokerage account or picking a mutual fund company that you that you know and like. Um, but it, it also has its drawbacks as well because all of a sudden you can do you know you could start buying stocks in your IRA if you open it up at a TD Ameritrade or a Schwab and maybe that's not a great idea. But uh, you know, too, too many choices. Too many. <laughs> it's, uh, for some people. Yeah. That's about it on, in, on investment choices. Okay. Uh, I wanted to kind of, you know, we're coming up on a break here, but I, I wanted to kind of spend some more time on some general things, uh, do's and don'ts with regard to 401ks. Uh, that'll probably be after the break, which is coming up soon. Uh, I'm just trying to figure, is there anything I want to touch on in the next minute or so? Uh, no, no, let me do the grand summary and we'll take a break here a shade early here. Okay, uh, so folks, okay, with regard to a 401 a retirement plan at work, okay, uh, you know, hopefully you have a, a certified financial plan in place and you know how much to put in and where to put it. But if you don't know, okay, first of all, uh, put money in a tax-deferred uh, plan because you're investing $0.100, cent dollars, powerful vehicle, okay? Uh, make sure that you put in at least as much as you qualify for 100% of the match. Okay, for most folks, I'm gonna tell you that you need to save at least 10% of your gross income starting early in life, and then work your way up to as much as possible over time. Uh, and um, you know the, the choices that most people should be looking at are those five or six pies that go from very brave to very conservative, or those funds that say dates on them, like, ah, if you're going to retire in 2060, this is your special fund because they'll take care of everything for you. But that's kind of the big picture. But but there are some behavioral do's and don'ts that don't relate to the investments that at least is important to chat about. And we'll, we'll hit the personal side of that after the break. So good time to go here. 